0: Morning Church. I'm reading a few readings today. We have three sets of readings. The first two are from Song of Songs and the last reading is from 1 Corinthians. Song of Songs is a conversation between a man and a woman. Uh, And there's only one of me, so I'm, I'm kind of doing both parts. There's the he and the she. So I will tell you who is speaking, the he or the she, so that adds some context. To the words. So I'm starting with chapter 1 and 2, and then we'll move into chapter 8, and then I'll move to Corinthians. So we're starting with the He. I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. She. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. He. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are dove's. She, how handsome you are, my beloved! Oh, how charming! And our bed is verdant. He, the beams of our house are cedars, our rafters are firs. She, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. He, like a lily among thorns, is my darling among the young women, daughters. Moving to chapter 8, she, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Friends, third party, who is this coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? She, under the apple tree I roused you, there your mother conceived you, there she who was in labour gave you birth. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Friends, we have a little sister, and her breasts are not yet grown. What shall we do for our sister on the day she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. If she is a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. She, I am a wall, and my breasts are like towers. Thus I have become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. Solomon had a vineyard in Baal Hamon, he let out his vineyard to tenants. Each was to bring for his fruit a thousand shekels of silver, but my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, Solomon, and two hundred are for those who tend its fruit. He You who dwell in the gardens with friends and attendants, let me hear your voice. She Come away, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. From 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now for the matters you wrote about. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring... Each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfil his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent, and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer, then come back together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control.
1: Happy New Year and good morning. Some would say I got the short straw when it came to this series, but not so. (laughs) I actually did my exit dissertation at Moore College on this book and so I was keen to be able to preach on it again, which I have done in uh, one other parish because I think it's a powerful message for our society and our world and for us. Let's pray. Uh, Tim's already prayed. But we want to pray again, Father, that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts to hear what you have to say. Uh, Lord, there may be um, some of us in our relationships where we need some repair work done in this area. Uh, There may be others, Lord, who long uh, for relationship. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand your your views on the issue of uh, sexuality in our relationships so that we might be a voice of reason and wisdom in our world. voice of truth and we might be a counter to the way the world considers this matter in Jesus name we pray amen the camera slowly moves in and we see a man and a woman's silhouette as the camera draws close we begin to overhear their conversation the man speaks gently and with deep emotion How beautiful your sandal feet, O princess daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. Your name is a rounded, your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. How beautiful you are. How pleasing, my love, with your delights. Your stature is like that of the palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like clusters of grapes on the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. Without hesitation, the woman responds with rich tenderness in her voice. May the wine go straight to my beloved, flowing gently over lips and teeth. I belong to my beloved and his desire is for me. Come, my beloved, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyard to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes send out their fragrance, And at our door is every delicacy, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my beloved. Clearly, we are in a different time and culture than our own. Uh, You'd not expect to hear Shane and Rachel Dirks using such language, I would anticipate. Yet, in its own time, the Song of Songs was racy stuff. Certainly, at one time, Jews had to be over 30 to be able to read this book. As Shane said, it's an M-rated book, as it were. Here we have ancient love poetry that at times is quite erotic, celebrating the delights and passions of human sexuality. And it's as large as life in the Bible. Does it really belong here? There's only one possible veiled reference to God, the Lord, at the end of chapter 8, verse 6, but only in the footnotes. It sounds more like the poem of a secular, sex-focused society than Scripture, maybe, on first reading we do, of course, live in a time when sex is no longer the exclusive physical consummation of the love of a husband and a wife. Rather, it's become a commodity for personal mutual pleasure and too often without commitment. If the statistics are correct, over 150 million people have read E.L. James' Fifty Shades of Grey series. And it's been translated into 50 languages. These are books that, by the way, I have not read. I'm not one of that number. (laughs) That according to some reviewers depicts explicit sexual bondage and is badly written. This is an incredible, sad indictment on human society that this book should be so popular but how do believers respond to a sexualised society where, which sees sex as public property, not the special, beautiful intimacy of the privacy of the marriage bed? What does history reveal? Some Christians have argued that sex is primarily for procreation and they play down the pleasure aspect of sexual union. Others have argued that the greater spiritual path is one of abstinence the celibate life is the life of Jesus and this is the path where deeper spirituality is to be found where does the song of songs fit into this space what does this book of love poetry the title of which means in Hebrew the greatest of songs as it says the holy of holies is the holiest place so song of songs means this is the greatest song Does it have anything to say to today's saints and to society at large? The fact I asked that question probably suggests I think it does. What are we to make of this quite exquisite, unique and extraordinary book in Scripture? Well, today we'll explore the text and seek to find answers to these and other questions. First thing I want to look at, though, is that the song's place in Scripture Note this is the only book of the Bible that is fully devoted to the topic of the nature of passionate love in relationships. But it does not stand alone in scripture on the topic. The title in chapter 1 verse 1 Solomon's Song of Songs brings the book automatically within the circle of wisdom literature. With which Solomon is closely identified. The title could mean that Song of Songs was written by Solomon, or for Solomon, or that it's about Solomon. In the end it doesn't really matter, it still stands alone as scripture in this topic and is helpful. The song certainly aligns with the other wisdom literature, Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes for example which all deal with the everyday world of human relationships, not the great saving events of Israel's history. These books are about how to live as a saved people rather than how to be a saved people. This fact already suggests that seeing the book, as some have done, as primarily an allegory of the symbol of Yahweh's love relationship with Israel uh, just, the book just doesn't fit in that category some of its imagery is, is more explicit than you would ever hear anywhere else in scripture about that relationship but I think people go down that track because they don't know how to deal with the book and it's an easy way to deal with a book that may make them feel uncomfortable no, this is a book about how to live as a member of the saved people of faith. So we are bet much better to see the song as an extended piece of wisdom, which is in alignment, for example, with Proverbs 5, verses 15 to 19. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Uh, The verbal links and subject matter echo that of the Song of Songs. So let me just stop and ask husbands, do you still rejoice in the wife of your youth? Sue doesn't normally like me using that language at home because she knows what comes next in the verses. Are you still intoxicated with her love? Well, that ought to be how we think about each other in our marriages. Can I also ask those who are younger, do you find it embarrassing when your old parents show affection for each other? or even indicate that they might still have it. Can I just say to anyone who thinks that way, get over it. (laughs) Why? Because God delights in it. The Song of Songs also has a close connection with the creation of male and female in Genesis 2. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Here we have the first wolf whistle in the Bible. He goes, wow, I've seen all the other animals, but this is something, this is someone I can relate to. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Barry Webb comments the Song of Songs may be seen as a kind of extended poetic meditation on Genesis 2.25. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. We can see how the Song of Songs may be unique as the only book completely given to exploring human love but it doesn't stand alone in scripture on this topic as we've seen. Its subject matter is certainly echoed in other key scriptures. So how are we to understand it? Well the song, song has its own voice as a sensual love poetry and God has put it in the scriptures. It's a poem of love between two lovers in an exclusive, mutually agreeable relationship. It must first be allowed to speak itself before any possible secondary allegorical meaning can be considered, although I suspect that's never what it was intentioned for. The book itself describes itself as the Song of Songs and this needs to be taken seriously. We won't go far wrong if we see Song of Songs is a love poem of committed, passionate love given and received between a man and a woman who have eyes for no other. So we see the place of Song of Songs in Scripture, so now we need to reflect on the book's purpose in Scripture. Its subject, of course, is love. Love in all its complexity and delight. In the first two chapters, three of the Hebrew words for love are freely employed to describe the lover's relationship. The first is re'a. Um, translated my darling my love it's used of a female friend uh, probably therefore it's a it's a close companion maybe that would almost be a more helpful translation you are my close companion the one I want to be with you're my darling a harbor. here is the word um, love an emotion that leads to commitment A lasting love which describes, which decides to join one life with another. And finally, we have the word dod. It is to caress or to fondle. Uh, This is the sexual and sensual element of love. This is where the book opens. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love, your dod, is more delightful than wine. As one commentator delightfully put it, Uh, It's like this couple are saying to each other, "You rock my world." The song is clearly not an academic treatise. It's about love, and it's not a sex manual. As Webb says, it's a rhapsody of love, an outpouring the feelings of people who are in love, and are experiencing in the flesh, experiencing love in in the flesh with all its pains and its pleasures. What's very important to recognise, the type of poem it is, it's a soliloquy. That's a technical word which indicates that the lovers are speaking to themselves or each other without an audience. Hence their language is delightful and yet at times embarrassingly uninhibited as the opening words I read to you from chapter 7. We read again in chapter 4, She let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. He says, I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I have drunk my wine and my milk. These are words of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit here opens a window into the intimate world and allows us to experience in some measure what the lovers experience but without being explicit, without tintillating or teasing. Webb again comments helpfully, this is a book for those who want to know or perhaps remember what it is like to be in love and to make love. Now, attempts to provide a neat, tight structure for the song have, uh, have been a battle for commentators uh, forever. Uh, of all those that have been provided, I think Barry Webb's suggestion seems to fit quite well, at least as close as one can get to it. He talks about the song moving from longing to satisfied rest. The word rest there is the, Greek, the Hebrew word shalom, Um, The NIV translates it contentment or completeness is another way of thinking of the word. There are three basic elements of this movement in the first two chapters. There's the expressions of longing. Uh, It speaks of attraction and desire for each other. The chapters three through six seem to be largely a dream sequence in this section, the bride-to-be is dreaming about her wedding and the intimacy, the lovemaking that will follow. And the last section is called the consummation in chapters 7 and 8, where the book concludes with sexual and, importantly, relational completeness, shalom. True shalom, a rest which brings complete contentment in their relationship that's why I've chosen the pictures I've chosen Uh, these are not sexual pictures these are people content and complete in each other across the generations it's no accident that the final picture of the couple's consummation isn't a torrid sex scene it's relationship. So we read in chapter 8, 5 to 7, the friends say, Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? She says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame, or like the very flame of the Lord, as the footnote says. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Now this particular passage provides a pointer to the third point that I want to talk about this morning. The Song of Songs, powerful message for our society. Proverbs teaches that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of... Of wisdom. Song of Songs is wisdom literature. And so it follows that the passionate, intimate love described in this poetry is God's wisdom for the sexual dimensions of exclusive marriage relationships. This has implications for both the way we engage in sexual love and the way we don't. It's a message which I hasten to say is for every believer. at Whatever stage of life you're at, whether you're single, uh, whether you're now widowed, whether you're uh, divorced, separated, whether you're still together as a couple, whether you're struggling in your relationships, it provides us with helpful teaching. It helps us to look what to look for in a relationship. There ought to be some spark between a couple. Um, What to encourage in friendship relationships. It teaches what to teach others. The wisdom of God is for all believers without exception. We who are more mature, we who are involved in marriages already ought to be giving this wisdom to our younger people and to our teenage children if they're willing to listen. It also teaches what we should speak into society for the society we live in needs God's wisdom as I'll point out in just a moment. Two especially significant truths from the Holy Spirit provides you and I want to note those before we close. The first is, as the wisdom of God, Song of Songs affirms sexual pleasure in the privacy of a mutually exclusive relationship. Sexual intimacy, like the rest of creation, is a privilege. It's a gift of God to be enjoyed in a mutually agreed, equal, and yet private relationship. That aspect of our marriages is always to be behind closed doors. As we've seen in the song, it's to be delighted in and not frowned upon. Those who believe it's more spiritual to withdraw from sexual activity are ignoring the very wisdom of God. God teaches the same in Paul, in 1 Corinthians 7. Do not deprive each other, that is, of sexual relations, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. God may take priority for a while in relationship. But, as Paul goes on to say, then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The scriptures admit that our sexual drives are strong and they are powerful. They need to be controlled or exercised in the right relationships. As in 1 Corinthians 7, so it's clear throughout the song that both the woman and the man are mutually into each other physically. Physically. Their echoing songs of admiration throughout the book give expression to this. Uh, do these admiration songs suggest the importance of romance? I suggest they do, across the generations. Taking the time to express one's delight in the person you're in relationship with, their deeds, their gifts, their skills, and even their physicality of one's partner is wise and is likely to keep the home fires burning. The song with some frequency stresses the exclusivity of their relationship. The picture in 4.2 of the woman as a locked garden and a sealed fountain, and her describing herself as a wall in chapter 8 verse 10, all say that her body is for one person only. This is totally consistent with Jesus' teaching. That sexual intimacy was for marriage alone. All other sex defiles according to Jesus' teaching in Mark 7. This idea is also wonderfully conveyed in chapter 2 verse 16. Where we read the words, my beloved is mine and I am his. And again in 7.10, I belong to my beloved and his desire is for me not for someone else. Is that how we husbands and wives think about our relationship? Guess what? It ought to be because that is God's wisdom. I close this particular point of application with some wonderful words from a writer called Lorin. He writes, There is a basic God-ordained wholesomeness to sex, to the use of our bodies in this manner, we are to remember that God established a physical attraction between the sexes. This is not wrong. And in the marriage relationship, as a strong stresses, sex is to have its normal, healthy role in providing fulfillment and joy for both partners. It's not something to be shunned, but to be praised. It's also not to be the only thing about the marriage relationship that works. Many other aspects of friendship... And time together are noted. But while affirming sensual love in an exclusive relationship, Song of Songs actually censures sexual love as generally portrayed by modern media. It's love poetry, not pornography. And so it, secondly, denies the sexual license, perversion, and public display so prevalent in pornography. The very nature of the song as a soliloquy tells us that what takes place between lovers is not for public observation or explicit detail. The late Bruce Smith wrote very helpfully on this topic. Although we are overhearing excited utterances of love in the first person, not the third, the poem not only refrains from describing sexual consummation But in essential descriptions which do occur, the consistent technique is one of indirectness, involving the use of distracting poetic metaphors. We are never permitted to see the characters and to play mentally with concrete representations. We, the readers, are able to feel the excitement of their preliminary love play without seeing their corresponding actions let alone the consummation of the relationship. Let me try and capture that uh, succinctly. Is that we know what's going on in the bedroom, but we're never allowed into the bedroom. And that should always be the case. A word of advice to all parents. It's not a bad idea to have a lock on your bedroom door. How different is the Song of Songs to Hollywood and the porn industry? When secular directors and scriptwriters convey in concrete visual images the privacy of sexual intimacy, they abuse that relationship. They damage people by creating unreal expectations for both singles and married couples. When you read God's wisdom in this book, you never need to change the channel, which cannot be said for watching much of TV, And the various streaming platforms always have the remote close at hand. Song of Songs' approach to sexual delight stands as a protest against pornography and a strong supporter of censorship. Most of us, I suspect, are probably disgusted when we see people litter the bush and the beaches. People damage and deface what was beautiful and belonged to all the visitors. Pornography, soft or hard, is secular society's litter, spread all over God's wonderful gift of human sexuality. My friends, be disgusted, not deceived by all forms of sexual excess and perversion of God's wisdom for sex. The world tries to make porn a joke, but it's a destructive affliction on society and is causing enormous damage and breaking many relationships. Let me conclude. Let me ask everyone of us, not least myself, are we aligned or at odds with the Lord's wisdom in the Song of Songs? Can we thank God for the wisdom of this song? For it stands as a censure on lust, immorality, infidelity and pornography. It presents a spectacular picture of passionate love that is passionate, that is exclusive, that is absorbing and that is priceless and unquenchable. Recently, my US mentor, Leighton Ford, turned 90 He sent me a note which I'd like to share with you. He writes, We recently celebrated our 68th anniversary with family and friends and are very thankful for 70 years of love and 68 years of marriage. This morning, over breakfast, Jeannie and I talked about our years together. We reflected on the different kinds of love that C.S. Lewis describes in his classic four loves, romantic, affection, friendship and charity. All of which can be found in the Song of Songs, and we have had our shares of each of these: romance when we met, affection growing along with friendship, and all undergirded with the charity of God's unearned and unending agape love. Our love may have been tested at times; God's has not failed. I fell in love with that lovely young college girl. I still love this beautiful grandmother. And my heart leapt last week when she said to me, don't ever forget there has never been a day in these years that I have not loved you. Thank you, Lord, for my genie and for each of these years. And the Holy Spirit affirms such sentiments in some of the closing words of the poem. Verses six and seven. Love is as strong as death. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. And may the Lord grant all of our marriages, present and future, the grace and strength to be such lovers towards each other, so that we might radiate to society at large God's wisdom and glory for human sexuality. My friends, if we Christians do not speak into the space that the world is corrupting, there will be no other voice heard. Our voice must be the voice of God's wisdom. Let us pray that it will be so. There's a prayer on the screen. I think it's large enough for you to join me. Will you please join me in praying this prayer for each other, for our own marriages, for our relationships, and for others. Together, eternal God, author of harmony and happiness, we thank you for the gift of marriage in which men and women seek and find fulfillment, companionship, and the blessing of family life. Give patience to those who hope to marry. Give courage to those who face trials within their marriage. Give comfort to those whose marriage is broken. Give gratitude to those whose marriages are successful and fruitful. And let their lives reflect your love and your glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.